welcome to This Is What Blind Looks Like podcast. I am your host, Angie. And I am your co-host, Kimberly. And we are bringing you season one, episode one. Finally, I know that we have talked about, um, well, we've posted on Facebook and Twitter saying how we were going to start um, about a week ago, and then we had technical difficulties, and I was I was a little bummed out, but we figured it out, and now we're here. Yes, thank you for your patience, and we are glad to have you. So the month of October is a very um, uh, significant month because October is Meet the Blind Month, and I know other others, I should say, others refer it to blindness awareness. Um, and we also have a specific day. We have um, White Cane Day, which is October 15th. It's White Cane Awareness Day. And also our lovely 44th president, who we miss dearly, Barack Obama, actually, um, he also um, declared that day to be um, Blind Americans Equality Day. And that day, we, as blind people get together to educate the general public about the white cane and um and how important it is and um get around and be independent and everything and it helps us cross streets safely um and we also educate them about the white cane law each I know each state has um each state has it I don't know how um how should I say I don't know how how different they are. I mean, I know they, I know they pretty much say the same thing. Um, but anyway, we, that, that discussion is for another episode because we are planning on having an episode dedicated to the white cane. Um, or I shouldn't say dedicated, an episode explaining the white cane and, uh, orientation and mobility. And we also hope to, or should I say, and we are also going to include the white cane law because, some people just don't know about that, and I think it's very important for them to know about it. Certainly, definitely. And what we want to help with in this podcast is to educate you, the public, about um, what it's like being blind and the stereotypes and just break down those barriers about how people think we should be, how what we are in person, and we're going to bring some fresh perspective to and different experiences when it comes to speaking about the different topics that we've had personally or have handled, or even we'd like to invite you to um, join our Facebook page and Twitter page and send us your questions that we can get to in the next episode, but we will need you to keep listening in order for us to answer those questions and we will we are happy to do that that's why we're here and um this this is gonna be fun i really think it's gonna be fun and um me and angie are both excited to do this and to educate the public and to and you're gonna learn a lot from us yes yes we plan to um we plan to definitely bring interesting topics and guests, um, so it's going to be fun. It'll be fun. So um, what we're going to start off by doing is introducing ourselves. Now that you know why we created this podcast and what the purpose of it is and such, 
So I'm going to start off by introducing myself. I'm Angie and I am an aspiring audio engineer. I went to school for audio engineering. Um, I've been in the field for about a year. I have, I've had some experience um, in a studio. I interned for three months and I also had another experience working um, in live sound and working at a theater and that was really interesting. Um, and one of the things that I have always said I would do is if I created a podcast, I would create a blind, a blindness related podcast and this is where the idea was born and why I wanted to do it and such and such. But anyway, I am originally from Chicago, Illinois. Uh, I was born and raised there. I lived there for like 13 years and then I moved up to the Dairy State. I am currently in Madison. I've been in Madison for about 15 to 16 years. It's, it's a nice little, I shouldn't say little, but <laughs> because I'm originally from a big city, Madison is just, well, I guess, yeah, it's a nice college town. It's a good size. There's a lot to do. Um, and I've grown to like it. I mean, I guess maybe having friends really, really helped me like Wisconsin because when I first came here, I just, I was just not used to it. I didn't like it. I was really sad, but anyway. Oh, I should say I'm 29 years old, by the way. I did not, I don't know why. I just did not give my age or maybe I did or maybe I didn't. Yeah, but I'm 29. I know I don't look 29, but um, yeah, I'm 29. Okay. Um, well, I will give you a little history about myself. This is Kimberly, by the way. I'm 34. I live in Fond du Lac, Wisconsin, born and raised here. Um, I am currently pursuing a career in Braille transcription, and I will go more into that in future episodes. We have one, not only do we have an episode devoted to the cane, but we have one devoted to Braille. So you guys will just have to keep tuning in in order to figure out what that's all about. I will tell you a little about my vision. My, uh, I grew up, well, I was born with some complications as far as my eyesight goes. Um, throughout school, I could see I just wore really thick glasses. Once I turned um, an adult, my eyesight started getting worse. And um, basically, I would describe my vision now as looking through a pair of binoculars, but not having them focused. So I can see light, I can see color, I can see shape in like the outline of things, but I cannot see any detail or any um, precise patterns, things like that. Um, but that's the vision in my left eye, which is my good eye, quote unquote. And then in my right eye, I only have light perception and shadows. And that's always been that way throughout most of my life. That's basically my vision at this point. Okay. Yeah, so as far as my vision goes, actually, it's the opposite with me where my right eye is my good eye and my left eye is um, not good. So my um, condition is ROP, 
which stands for retinopathy of prematurity. And I also have an additional diagnosis of peripheral retinal degeneration. So my, um, as I was saying, my eyes, so my left eye, I don't have any central vision. It's just peripheral vision. Um, and it's just limited to light, color, shadow, and hand movements. Um, so, and then my right eye, my central vision is stronger than my peripheral vision. I can see well to, you know, look at things at a close distance. Um, I can read large print for a certain amount of time and then my eyes just strains and my head hurts and my neck hurts because I'm, you know, craning to see, you know, to see what I'm doing or what I'm reading. Um, and I also, I have no depth perception uh, meaning I can't judge the distance between like steps and curves. Um, so that's, that's, uh, so basically how I explain no depth perception is if you, okay, think of the, think of it this way. When you're going down the stairs or when you're going up a curb or down a curb, you're able to see that step. That's like, think of, think of a 3D movie where you're able to see like the, the, a step for me it's 2d it's two-dimensional I can't I can't see that there's a step for me it's just like a straight line um, and so I would have to feel with my foot to know that oh I've reached the edge or when I'm out using my cane um, oh okay like I can feel you know I just felt a curb you know so that kind of thing um, that's where the cane's really useful um, I also do have light sensitivity to sunlight, more so than synthetic lights. With synthetic lights, it depends. If they are very bright, yes, they do bother me. So it depends on the brightness with synthetic lights, but more so it's sunlight that bothers me the most um, in certain situations. So it depends on the lighting and things like that. Um, and this is, you know, what I have. But anyway, um... Can I include one thing from mine that I forgot yeah, to mention? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so also I have uh, glaucoma, which means that the pressures in my eyes are too high, and we all have pressures, and that has to do with the fluid in our eye that's flowing through our eyes. Um, I thought that is to the pressure in my eye is higher than normal. You want your pressures to be between like five and 15 around. Well, I've had my pressures be as high as 30, 35, even 40. And this is counteracted with laser surgery or eye drops. And, um, but if it gets out of control, which happens a lot, with those who have that condition, they um, have to be put on eye drops and get laser surgery. And um, it can, if nothing is done in the long run, it can cause damage to your optic nerve. And at this point in time, when our optic nerve is damaged, there's nothing they can really do about that. So glaucoma is a very common and uh, and very cautious Thing to make sure that you have to go to regular eye doctor visits and make sure it doesn't get on out of control. 
also I wanted to include that Angie you reminded me of being this when you said that you're light sensitive I'm the opposite <laughs> I can see a lot better in light where as far as like I can see the color of something I can't really see what it is I can't tell what it is or if someone's sitting next to me I can see like the color that they're wearing but I wouldn't be able to tell if it was a person or a chair and also throughout like my whole life I've had what's called night blindness where a lot of people with perfect vision or almost perfect vision can see well enough in the dark. I can't see anything yeah. in the dark. Can I add to that, to the night blindness yeah. thing? Because that is something that people with retinal issues um, deal with. I know that I, personally speaking, I struggle with night vision issues as well. Um, so, I mean, if a if a place is, like, if there's light, um, like, in a, like, dark area, like, I'm fine, but if there isn't, then I'm, you know, it's hard to, it's hard for me to get around, so, yeah, I also have that issue, but, um, and, you know, as well as, like, the light sensitivity, like, I know people are like, oh, well, then how do you, like, they probably are wondering, oh, how do you have issues with both? There's kind of a fine yeah. line, you know, yeah, and I, it's a balancing act. Yeah. And, like, I've noticed that when I'm in places that are dimly lit, they might as well just have the lights off. Right. I can't really right. see anything. Exactly. Like, for me, like, when I'm going, when I'm going uh, into the, like, movie theater. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. That, for me, like, that's where I'm so glad that I have my cane. You know, I use my cane all the time when I travel and everything. But that is... That's when I'm very, very happy that I that I do have it with me because dim lighting is not your friend. And, you know, people with retinal issues, they, you know, they have that problem, too. And also, like, with the light sensitivity, too. I mean, I know, I know others are, I know there's more people or there's other people who are extremely light sensitive. Um, but, you know, we won't, we won't, you know, get into that because that's a whole different thing it could be for a whole different reason like there's there's different reasons why people deal with light sensitivity but we're not going to get into that because we're not doctors and we could just uh only explain about our condition but anyway I'm going to tell you a little bit about mine because I know I just mentioned what mine was and I never really um explained further so <laughs> basically um retinopathy of prematurity is when um a premature baby is born early and the um, blood vessels in the retina they develop abnormally um, and so that causes the retina to detach or to tear I'm not I, I know that there's like different zones and stages please don't act like if you have ROP or if you're a doctor or whatever like don't ask me what stage of ROP I have or what zone because I don't know um but anyway so yeah um it causes um retinal detachment and uh I've had I've had detached retinas in the past when I was a kid luckily they haven't detached in a long time but I'm hoping that they don't um but uh, people with ROP are at risk for that, and they're also at risk for developing cataracts and glaucoma later in life. So um, you always have to 
get checked out for that every year, and I always do um, when I go to my routine visits. Um, so... Would you mind sharing with our listeners, Angie, just how premature you were? Yeah, actually, I was, jeez, I think, I think I was born, okay, I I don't know the number in weeks, but I was born five months early. Um, yeah, I was born five months early, and I weighed almost a pound, um, and I had to be in the NICU for, like, four months. So, um, there was that. And, um, I'm just lucky that I, that I made it, that I'm here because they weren't so sure if I was going to survive or not. So. Yes, that's really early. And when I tell, um, friends that are people who aren't familiar with, uh, the whole RP thing, they, they just don't believe me. They're like, Oh, that's too early. My doctor said that's too early and the baby can't survive, but you're living yep, proof. Yep. Everybody that knows, that knows my story or that has heard my story knows, you know, well, I don't want to say like everybody, but you know, people that know me, I guess. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And as far as my additional diagnosis of peripheral retinal degeneration, it's where the peripheral retina, I don't know what it is, but like, I want to say it's, like, your side vision where it, um, can, te- you know, where it can tear and, like, you could, um, you know, it will, yeah, like, it can tear or whatever and, like, it'll, like, close in. So, like, I don't know, like, I don't know much about it. I have to ask my eye doctor because it's funny. I had no idea that I had that. Um, and I was, um, cleaning up my room and I found this paper. I found this paper that my eye doctor had signed. I found this paper that my eye doctor had signed um, explaining my visual diagnosis. Um, So it said retinopathy of prematurity, ROP, and then it had an additional diagnosis listed of um, peripheral retinal degeneration. So I have yet to um, ask him a little more about that, but that definitely explains why um, in my right eye, my central vision is stronger than my peripheral vision, so. How about sharing with our listeners what happens if your retina does detach? So basically, as a child, I was always, um, I was always warned that, um, if you see like a curtain coming down or flashes of lights or um, like spider webs, that is a symptom of detached of a detached retina. It doesn't hurt, but you know that there are sudden you can you know that there's sudden changes of vision. Um, so when that happens, go get it looked at right away because you want to. Um, you want to take care of that right away because it can, you can lose vision. Yeah. And don't you have to see a doctor within like 48 hours or something? Yes. Yes. So as soon as you can, right away, don't sleep on it. Don't wait on it. Just get out and go. 
And even if you can't see your eye doctor, if you go to like the emergency room, that's like a, or like a walk-in clinic or something, they can, uh, they can at least diagnose it and maybe get you into someone to, uh, get surgery on it right away. Yeah. So for me, um, that is definitely something that I always have to look out for, not just as a child, but Mm -hmm. for like the rest of my life. I need to make sure that I don't notice changes. I mean, sometimes I do see like a little flashes of light and like floaters, but it's um nothing. Oh yeah. Uh, nothing um compared to that like you know. So, I mean, but I still I have to be watchful and I can't um so like I can't play contact sports like basketball or football or volleyball or anything like that because if I get a blow to the face or head that is a risk <laughs> that I'm taking for my retinas to, to to detach and I only have my right eye it's my good eye it's not the greatest I will say it is not the greatest um I have never seen 2020 nor will I ever see 2020 so <laughs> I kind of have to work yeah. with what I have So what would happen if you didn't go and see someone within 48 hours? You'd pretty much be blind? Yeah. when I say blind. Well, yeah. I would lose more vision. I mean, I don't know how much or I don't know to what degree, but yeah, that's something that I have to um, very much watch out for. And as far as being blind goes, um, so blindness... It's a spectrum. First, I wanted to... I'm sorry. First, I wanted to um, list my uh, visual acuity. Visual acuity basically means when you're told that 2020 vision, that that's perfect vision. From there, the number goes up. You would think it would go down. Like, oh, I have 2015 vision because I can't see that well, but it goes up. And I've been told that in my right eye, it's just light perception and shadows. But in my left eye, my good eye, it I've been told at this point it was it's twenty four hundred. But growing up I was told that I had twenty seventy vision with corrective lenses. So what is your visual acuity, Angie? So right now, um actually so my left eye, it doesn't change. So it's still the same. Peripheral vision, no central vision. That eye is supposedly 2200. I don't, I, it doesn't work. I can't use it. So I don't. My right eye right now is, well, the last time I went in was 2250. I'm <clears throat> 2250 in my right eye, 2200 in my left. But yeah, so 2020 is perfect vision. So anyway, blindness comes in a spectrum. Like there is a spectrum with blindness. So the 2200 visual acuity is the federal definition for legal blindness. Basically what it means is, okay, so you with 2020, a person with 2020 would have to be 200 feet away to see something. Now, a person with 2200 vision would have to be 
20 feet away to see it or to see something, whatever that object is. So um, right. also, I want to also say that legal blindness isn't also just twenty the 2200 acuity, but it is also um, field degrees of vision. So you're also legally blind if you have a visual field of 20 degrees or less. My visual field has never been tested. So even if a person has 2070 vision or 2080, if they have an obstructed visual field, that's 20 degrees or less, they're still legally blind. I just want to put that out there because um, <laughs> I don't know if like people know that or if people have been told that, but yeah. Also, um, society in general has probably heard people ask, well, are you nearsighted or farsighted or have been told that at the eye doctor or I have a friend who said that and it's like, well, what does that mean? And it's kind of self-explanatory. Nearsighted, you can only see well or see things that are near, near you. Farsighted is uh, you can only see things far away, whereas you might have someone who has a visual impairment that has to sit close to the TV in order to see it. But you might have another one who can sit across the room and see it fine. But if you give them a book to read, they won't be able to see the print. So um, that's the difference between nearsighted and farsighted. Yeah, thank you so much for explaining that because some people just don't know um, and it's important for them to know the difference between nearsighted and farsighted. And there's also um, ways to define someone's vision where it's partial, complete partial, a high partial or a low partial. And a lot of people who are visually impaired get that confused because they're like, well, I'm a partial, but what does it mean high partial or low partial? Am I, what, what does high and low mean? Does that mean do I have a high amount of vision or a high amount of blindness? But actually a high partial means that you have a high amount of vision, but you're still partially visually impaired. And a low partial is where you have a low amount of vision, kind of like me, and you're visually impaired. So basically, I would call the difference in high partial or low partial someone who can read, see buildings and read building signs but a low partial would be someone with my type of vision where things are really blurry and you can't define what you're seeing exactly. So yeah, so there is, yeah, so there's a definition of partial. Um, like I'm a partial, I'm a high partial because yet, you know, because I have some vision and I'm able to, you know, I can see, you know, I can see buildings. I just can't read street signs. Um, so I know we're going to talk about this when we talk about the white cane and stuff and when we travel, but when I travel, um, I can't read street signs. So what I'll do is I go by landmarks. If I see something familiar that I know, like, and I also use my hearing. I've always used my hearing when I travel, but, um, yeah, there goes the landmarks. Like for example, when I was in high school, I can't read the room numbers, like the numbers of rooms. Like when you go to like offices or whatever like so for high school mm -hmm. and college what I had to do was um I would go by landmarks like oh there's this poster by the room that I'm supposed to go in okay so that's how I know that's where my room is or whatever it is or oh look there's a water fountain by this by this room okay that's where I have to go you know that's what 
that's what I would do too growing up when I had um, the visual acuity of 2070. I couldn't read the room numbers unless I went really close. So I would just count doorways or do like the landmark thing. Yeah, too. so that's so that's what I um that's what I do. So there's total blindness and there's um partial which is high or low and uh, yeah, that's the spectrum of blindness. And let's talk about the usage of mobility tools, shall we? Yeah, totally. Well, we mentioned the white cane. And um, as we said, it, it was white cane day. But when talking about the cane, we want to stress that I think we should kind of get into this little lighthearted, whereas I've had my cane be called a lot of things, even by like um, nurses and things, you would think they would have the schooling, enough schooling to know the different mobility tools that people use. I mean, no one calls a wheelchair something other than a wheelchair or, you know, a cane, a, a balancing cane. Everyone knows that's called a cane, but when they see mine, they call it a stick or a, a wand. I've had it called that once. I'm thinking, if I had a wand, I wouldn't even, you don't need this thing, you know? Um, uh, what else? Oh gosh. Um, that it's called a stick a lot. And I want to stress that it is not a stick. It's not used for us to balance. It is used for us to use in front of us to find obstacles. And a lot of people in um, society, when I'm out in public, so be like, oh, be careful, be careful. You're about to run into that that chair. Oh, oh, wait, 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 wait. And they won't know that that's the purpose of my cane. That's what it's for. It's to run into those things, so to speak, or tap or bump into things. So I don't, you know, which would you rather have me run into it or this cane of mine? So that's its purpose. And I think society educating them about the cane will help us speaking about this because there's so much you guys don't know no offense but like um it's it's not your fault and that's why we're here and if you're willing to listen to us we're willing to tell you all about our daily lives and the things we use and what they're for and a lot of people think that it's rude to ask but I'm quite opposite I encourage questions society has been raised to not stare don't ask people um some people are like oh are you oh i hope you don't mind me asking is it rude to ask um how you went blind or why you're blind to me but this is just me personally i can't speak for everyone to me i don't mind that being asked because it's my way of telling my story and to kind of get the message across that yeah we can get out not all of us sit at home and aren't able to do anything and so um a cane it's white it can fold up it can be straight it can be telescopic but that's what it's used for and it's used to identify it's a simple explanation to identify our behavior yes yes Definitely, yes. Oh, oh my God, yes to all those things. And yeah, I've also had my cane be called a pole 
I've, <laughs> I, yeah, I've had my cane be called a pole. I've had my cane be called a walking stick. I've had my cane be called a stick. I've had my cane be called a blind stick. Um, no, it is none of those things. It is a long white cane. I use it to get around. Um, it keeps me safe. It lets the public know I have a vision issue. It lets cars know that I have a vision issue and I need to get across. And yeah, I'm not going to, everything Kimberly said, I'm not going to talk about because it's already been mentioned. So it's the same thing. Um, some blind people use white canes. Other blind people, I don't want to say other, but some blind people use guide dogs. Um, you know, dogs are great furry companions, but guide dogs are, um, I like to call them canes with fur. Um, they are a working dog. They are not a pet. Um, and they are obstacle avoider. Just like the cane is the obstacle finder, the dog, the guide dog, is the obstacle avoider. So they will avoid obstacles. And anyway, I'm not going to get into so much detail because we're going to have an episode dedicated to guide dogs. And, um, I am considering a guide dog. Um, so it won't happen for a while, but it'll happen eventually. In, in that episode, we'll go into a lot of people talk about, ask people, why why don't you have a dog? We'll definitely go into the different things you need to consider when getting a guide dog and personal preference and what all goes into getting a guide dog and handling a guide dog and even raising a guide dog and um, the proper terms when speaking with one and um, notice I say guide dog there are also different titles as far as guide dogs are concerned that we will go into but you will just have to keep tuning in to know more about that yes yes definitely um yeah so they're another mobility tool and um we're going to definitely talk about that and one thing I do want to say is always speak to the handler don't speak to the dog because the dog doesn't know um so the only thing that the dog knows is that they have to keep their handler safe um and so basically Yes, they, they work as a team, but the dog doesn't know directions. The dog doesn't know when the light is green or no. It's the handler. That is up to the handler. The handler is the brains. The dog is the eyes. So um, that is all I'm going to say about that because, as I said, we plan to have an episode about guide dogs and their purpose. Yes. What is our next so topic? We, so we talked about our degrees of vision and the cane. Well, cane, dog, mobility tools. So we're going to talk about different mediums for reading. So let's talk about that. Oh, definitely. A bit. Yes, there are so many. Obviously, there's print. A lot of people know that there's large print. Um, but there's also, you know, Audible, audiobooks. And the last, obviously, is Braille. Um, we'll go more into this in another episode as far as Braille's concerned. But there are a wide variety of literacy options out there that are good to take advantage. And some people don't know that a lot of things that are available as far as reading is concerned for the blind are also available for the dyslexic, too. Because dyslexic is basically, um, there are different types of dyslexia, but it's a print disability. And um, those who are dyslexic learn better by listening, hence audiobooks or different programs that speak. People who cannot read print at all 
use the same things that we do, which is pretty great as far as I'm concerned. The more the more adaptations out there for different disabilities, the better. So it just goes to show that we're not that different. Yes, that is true. Um, yes. So and you know, there's also different learning styles as well. Like I know I've always been an auditory learner ever since I was a child, and I still am till this day. And there's also yeah. tactile learners. Visual learners, yes. like uh, photographic memory, things like that. Something that's different about me versus Angie is that growing up, I read print. I listened to books sometimes. And I now, later in life, since my vision's gone, um, gotten worse, I read Braille. So I've been through all the different all the different varying levels of literacy and learning I will say I wish I would have learned braille as a child um I never did um so I also was reading large print and audiobooks when my eyes were straining and my head was hurting and my neck was hurting um and so I can still read print um just for certain periods of time and then my eyes strain. <laughs> uh, eye fatigue is no fun. It's horrible. Um, but yeah, I right now my preferred medium for reading is audio. Because I don't have to strain my eyes. But I am eventually going to learn Braille. And I hope to become a Braille reader. Awesome. It's always good to learn Braille even if you have enough sight to see print. Magnification works too. I would suggest if you do have a hard time seeing, instead of straining your eyes and looking at screens a lot or looking at things closely, you just got to get over that barrier of what, what public, how public is going to react and just break down and use a magnifier. Yes. It'll save you so much in the long run. And if, if you have the opportunity to learn Braille, because a lot of vision conditions have your vision get worse over time, even if you don't have a visual condition and you're 60 and suddenly you need reading glasses. If Braille is uh, something that would be an option for you to seriously consider, I would recommend learning it. We'll go more into Braille, obviously, in another episode, but you can be any age when you learn it. Completely blind people have learned it as young as three and read faster in Braille than a sighted person can read. And it's truly remarkable. Yes, that is very amazing. Um, I've used magnifiers as well, but it slows me down. I will say that. Oh, yeah. And there's also um, a lot of technology out there. And yes, we're going to have an episode dedicated to assistive technology and all the different types of um, things that are out there. But yeah, um, assistive technology enables us to be productive. And oh my god, I love the fact that we're in a day and age where technology is very useful and it's better. And there's so much out there now. Yeah, definitely. There's always new apps coming out. There's always new adjustments and updates to those apps and times are changing 
we will go into more about the different apps and the things we use. People just assume that, you know, we can't do anything and we have phones just like you, uh, smartphones and stuff, and we can work on computers and we can do a lot more than you might think in The best part is me and Angie are going to tell you all about it. Yes, we definitely will. Let's go on to talking a little more about society's perception about blindness and maybe some misconceptions. So I'm going to start off by saying that, um, as we said, blindness comes in different spectrums. And so 90% of people who are blind have some sort of remaining vision and the other 10% have no vision. With that being said, we'll start off with how people's number one fear is going blind. Which is legitimate. I mean, when I was growing up, I was uh, always afraid just getting shampoo in my eye would make me go blind. And it was a terrifying thought, mind you. And I've been thinking about this, say, not just blindness, but any sense. If it were to suddenly uh, stop, that would send anyone into a panic mode. Um, But blindness doesn't always happen suddenly. Most of the time it happens uh, when um, it deteriorates over time. But one thing we we want to get across is that um, even if you do go blind, even if it is a fear, there are ways to go about your life if it happens, which, you know, obviously my vision got worse over time. Life, the world doesn't stop turning. Life doesn't stop. You wake up the next day. You're still blind. It's something that you learn to live with. It's something that you adjust to. You you'd have to adjust to that, given anything else in life. And there are ways to do things being blind, and there are ways to keep on living. For instance, I before when my vision was getting worse. Yeah, I was living at home with my mom in my 20s. But that's because I didn't know how to do simple things like the laundry without sight, cooking without sight, just simple day-to-day things. And I'm ashamed to say that a neighbor actually didn't even know after we moved in that my mom had a daughter living with her because I barely set foot outside. Because it, it is scary, but you don't know how to adjust. But there are ways, and I adjusted. And right now, I live by myself. I'm independent. I make my meals. I, you know, can do anything, any other person. I walk out I walk out my door matching, my clothes matching. I, I do things in the community. I go to the gym. Like, I take the bus. We're functioning people just like the rest of society and most of all we want to be that functioning working motivated person in society who wants people to give them a chance and who need to prove ourselves but I'm getting off track so just to say that yeah we understand that that's a fear but it doesn't have to be exactly and um blindness shouldn't set you back it shouldn't it shouldn't limit you There's a lot of things that you can definitely learn to do differently. It's not a tragedy. It's just something that you have to accept eventually and live life. So anyway, 
in the media, blindness is falsely portrayed. Um, like I said, the media, and it's because of the media that society has this perception about blindness that, oh, every blind person walks with a cane and wears dark sunglasses. That's not always true. <laughs> or that they see pitch black, they don't see anything. No, that's not always true, like we said. Um, there's different um, spectrums of blindness. So, um, I know that we keep repeating it over and over, but it is true. So, yeah, I kind of wish that movies and TV or that the media in general would be, would be willing to, or would be educated to accurately represent blind people. One thing I can't help but think of is that there was a, I guess I'll just say it, a friend told me that back when Desperate Housewives was on, one of the husbands on there became blind somehow. And she was like being dramatic about it and talking with the friend. And I was like, but how is he going to dress himself? How is he going to shave? He won't be able to do any of that. And the sad part is, is that society has that perception in that they believe it when they see it on TV. Like, oh yeah, how do they do that? Oh, poor thing. She's burdened with this husband who went blind later on and now they're married and she's stuck with them. That's not how it is. And um, also I noticed that there's a movie called The Eye. And who is it that's in that there? Um, Jessica um, Alba. Yeah. She... It's a good movie, and it, and it does portray her accurately as far as her traveling with her cane and um, having a career and having friends, things like that. But one thing I couldn't get over was, for me personally, I've had cornea transplants, and in that movie, she has a cornea transplant. And one thing that they got wrong, and I was just sitting there like, really? Like, yelling at the screen like no that's not right come on people do your research but they had her have the surgery and yeah your eyes are bandaged and then the very next day you go to your eye doctor and they take the bandages off but in the movie they had her like seeing right away and although they had her wearing like darker glasses not being able to see for like 20 years and suddenly seeing she'd be blinded in by the light that suddenly she's seen and it would hurt. Not to mention the fact that when you get one of those, you don't see instantly. It's not like LASIK. It took me weeks to get my sight back. It took me at least a week to even see light, much less, um, I'd say it took about four weeks to see with what vision I had growing up and then another week or so to see even better than that. So it's not instantaneous. And also there's a movie called Blindness out there where they portray blindness as being um, contagious. I don't know about you, but I have a lot of blind friends, but they didn't become being blind by me having contact with me. If that were true, my whole family would be blind. They're not everyone I know would be blind. And and then it shows how how in, inaccurate it is, just boggles my mind, how everyone's like panicking and freaking out and like quarantined or whatever. And it's just like, that is so not it. And it just makes society even more afraid. Right, exactly. Um, yeah, so 
we're not, you know, we don't bite. It's okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> like I said, what media tells you is very inaccurately portrayed. And this is another reason why we want, we um, are doing this podcast is to educate you and to show you what it's really like being blind and how it's not bad. It's not the end of the world. Um, you can still go out and do things. You can still go out and enjoy life and, you know, have friends and, um, yeah. So we did talk about how, um, God, I wanted to say something and now I, now my, um, train of thought was lost, but it was about the, (laughs) it was about the, um, society and, and blindness and everything, but who knows, maybe it'll come back to me. What about um, people's misconceptions as far as the myth where our senses are much better when we become blind, our senses are better and, oh, you can hear things that we can't because your senses are better because you're blind. The perception of um, or misconception of you lose one sense, your others are heightened. Yeah, um, that's yes. not true. I wish. Yeah, <laughs> that's not true. Um, <laughs> our senses are not heightened. It's just that we rely on our hearing more. I've had a lot of people tell me, oh, so you're uh, going to school for audio engineering. Well, that's a really good career for you because your hearing must be better. No, it, my hearing isn't better. I... My hearing, I rely on it more. I have to use it more. So, yes, I. while I do have some vision, my vision isn't effective for everything. So, I do have to use my hearing. And that's another thing. A lot of people think, oh, just because you have some vision, you know, oh, so you can see. Like, you don't know how much somebody can see. Like, um, if you stuck 10 people in a room that had 2200 vision, they're all going to tell you what they see is different. No one sees the same. No blind person sees the same. That is another thing that I want to get at, is that no other blind person will see the same. So, yeah, I can have somebody with the same vision condition as, as me. I can have somebody with similar vision, but maybe they might be able to see something that I can't, or maybe I might be able to see something that they can't see. So no one sees the same. Well, and going back to the sight senses supposedly being heightened, um, I like to think of it as when someone wants to eavesdrop on someone, you know, you kind of, I don't want to say strain, but you really try to pick up on the small sounds around you and what they're saying. And you're trying harder with us. And and guess what? You did that without having to go blind. It's the same thing with us. We just have that switch, that listen carefully switch toggled on at all times because we have to. It's for safety. It's for to know our surrounding. It's to listen. And believe me, friends and family alike can vouch and say, no, she doesn't listen. (laughs) She doesn't listen better. Um, But... Yeah, so so that's incorrect, and it'd be nice, but no. <laughs> yeah, um, and back to the whole um, cane and guide dog thing, what I was going to say was, um, you know how some people, they'll ask, oh, when are you going to get a dog? Why don't you have a dog? Can you get a dog? Or will you, or whatever? Yeah, we did touch 
a little bit about it, how it is a preference, but I want to break down this misconception. Just because you're blind does not entitle you to a does not entitle you to a guide dog. They're not going to be like, oh, here, you get this dog because you're blind. No, it does not work that way. It does not work <laughs> that way, I guarantee you. And I would be afraid. I know some blind people or blind friends who I'd be afraid if that was the case. Because not everyone can take care of one properly. And we don't, as we stressed in the beginning, we have canes. We don't need guide dogs to get us around canes work just fine and canes um you need to have good cane skills before you get a dog believe yes, it or not yes you have to have good cane skills you have to be able to travel independently and confidently um you have to have a realistic use for a dog so like if you go to school or if you go to work um you know if you get out and travel to places within your area then you know a guide dog could be for you like for me I'm definitely considering it and it'll be an eventual thing for me where I do want a dog and I have made that decision. Um, And I've heard people say that applying to a guide dog school is like applying to a college. So there's a lot that goes into a dog um, and it's responsibility. So again, we're not going to really go into the major details just because we'll save that for a future episode. One other thing we wanted to talk about is some people think that because we're blind, we automatically are these like music geniuses that we have perfect pitch. And oh, since you can listen so well, you must be able, you must play an instrument. You can ask my family, I tried the violin in fifth grade. No, (laughs) I was not good at that instrument. I kind of live that stereotype, Um, so... (laughs) you do you do but it's not because you're blind no yeah that is true that is true even if I recited I'd still I'd still be doing the music thing (laughs) that is true (laughs) it's just something I like either either you're good at it or you're not like I know that there's blind people that are good at sports and they like sports there's other blind people that um have other interests and it's not just music so Right. And when we say music, we don't mean like listening to music. We mean like musically inclined. Like I kind of fit the stereotype too, or as far as I'm a singer, I've always been, but I can't read music. I never could. Well, I can to a certain extent. I shouldn't say I can't read music. I I could when I was sighted get by, but um, as far as knowing exactly what note it is, on the page, things like that. I learn by ear. Let's put it that way. Yep. Same here. I learn better by ear. And it's not because I was visually impaired growing up or anything. I think it's just like you said, Angie, you have it or you don't. Some people learn by ear when when playing an instrument. Some people learn by I ear did. when given directions or whatever, you know. So it's just, that's a stereotype that we want to make sure to um touch on yep i can't read music so i've um i've always played by ear it's just a thing it's just a natural thing nobody taught me i didn't i didn't get ear training i mean you can but i never had to but anyway um it's something that's not really taught um another thing that i do want to touch on well another myth i should say that blind people have a sixth sense and that they can foresee the future or have a supernatural ability. 
there is a no way, um, shape or form that that is true. Um, we don't have any superpower. We don't have any special ability. We're just like you. We're just like you, only our eyes don't work and <laughs> we have vision issues. So, in other words, we don't have a third eye. No. <laughs> that is a myth. That is a myth. Another thing... Go ahead. No, no, no. Yeah, go ahead. No, no, that's okay. Oh, no, I was going to talk about something else, but... No, I was just going to... I was just gonna no just go on <laughs> anyway another thing that I do want to talk about um which I really do actually it came back to me thankfully um as we said blindness is not the worst that can happen can I just say that I have been stopped like wherever it is that I'm going somebody will come up to me can I pray for you like they wanna <laughs> they want to pray so I could get my sight back like no no, can you stop trying to pray for me for a second? Like, can you just, why don't you pray about something else? Pray that I find a good job, which is what I want, right? So I want to be <laughs> successful. Or, <laughs> or pray that I am able to go to this training center in Minneapolis. Um, yeah, no doubt. You know, things like that. Don't pray for me to get my sight back. If that were the case, yeah, but it's not going to happen. You know, I'm fine with what I have. I don't need 20-20 vision. I will never experience it. I will never have it. I will never know what it's like. I'm perfect the way I am. I'm happy. Just, I... You've accepted Yes, it took me... Yeah, that's one thing for me. Um, it took me a while to accept my blindness um, when I was young. Um, yeah, you know, I'm a partial, but they still... We have our challenges. Everybody who's blind has a challenge. And, like, for me, like, when I was younger, I hated the word blind. When I was in high school, like, I, I would say, no, I'm not blind. Or, you know, I didn't like the idea of using a cane. But then I had to accept it. And I had to know that this is a part of me. It doesn't define me, but it is something that I'm going to have to deal with. So, you know, I have to I have to come to terms. I have to accept it. And I have. Um... So during my college years is like when I accepted it, um, when I started to accept it and I started becoming comfortable with my disability. And this is why I like to educate because I'm comfortable with it. I've reached that point where I'm so comfortable. Anyone has a question, go ahead. I don't care how stupid it is. Um, there is no stupid question. Um, I'm, I'm here to educate. That's what I'm here for. This is what I want to do and this is why I created this podcast this is why this podcast was born to educate the general public because every time when I go out there's always somebody that finds me and looks for me they're like well they don't look for me but you know they'll sit next to me and they'll just be like yeah um I'm losing vision because I have glaucoma and I'm scared or oh um my dad just lost his vision or somebody I know is losing vision what can I do to help or you know things like that and I I try to give them advice and I give I try to give them some resources and um just to educate really yeah, totally. And one thing we want to stress is that we might be blind, but that doesn't mean we're broken. People automatically jump to the conclusion, oh, you need your sight back. Um, oh, I'm so, oh, it's such a shame that you're blind. Yeah, um, or, oh, I'm sorry. Like, no, I don't, I don't need to be fixed. I'm not broken. 
Like Yeah, and as far as the whole praying for you, I don't care. You can pray for whatever you want. You don't have to ask if you can pray for me. Just do it. And also, you know, you don't have to feel obligated to pray for me on the same thing either because I, as you can see, I'm getting around, I'm doing things. And maybe, just maybe here's a thought, maybe I'm meant to be, have this sight. Maybe I'm meant to, in this time in my life, to have the sight I have so I can give quote-unquote insight to other people and do things like this and educate people and say, I'm blind, but I can do this and that. I, I can brush my teeth. I can pick out clothes. I can do things. What makes you think that you need to pray that I get my sleep back? I'm, I mean, I'm not, I'm not fabulous, but I'm not, uh, like things could be worse and th- I'm, I'm fine the way I am. Let's just put it that way. I'm fine. Right. Right. Exactly. Like I still, there's so much more than just being blind. Like for me, I still love to go to Starbucks and get coffee. I still, I love to shop. I love shopping. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and I love, I love fashion. I love makeup. Um, you know, I still like, um, looking well put together. Um, and yeah, just because you're blind, it doesn't mean that you can't do certain things. Like there's no limit. And one thing I want to point out is that throughout us talking, we keep keep using the word blind. And lots of times society, they are so offended when it comes to um, being politically correct and saying the right term, like non-sighted or sightless or or visually Vis- challenged. Visually challenged, visually impaired. My favorite one is optically precluded. Oh my god, I've never heard of that one. That's a new one. For I me. love it. I love it. Um, but if there's anyone it's precluded, it's society as far as what we can do. But anyways, blind is not a four letter word. And I know what you're thinking, obviously, B-L-I-N-D, it's five letters. Well, what we mean by that is that blind is not, saying blind isn't going to offend us. Well, me personally, and a lot of people I know, I can't speak for everyone. Yep. And yeah, myself included. So we're going to use the myself word blind. Included. And you know what? We're not offended yes. by it because that's what we are. Um, you don't have to tiptoe around us and say visually impaired or hard of seeing or anything like that. If someone couldn't hear at all, it's called being deaf. And this is no different um, given the whole spectrum on things. And I see it this way. I do have friends who can see a lot better than I can, and they consider themselves visually impaired. That's okay. But for me, I view blind as I can't see what I need to see. Exactly. 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 Um, and the same for me. It's easier for me to say I'm blind rather than say I'm visually impaired. I just say I'm blind, but I have some vision. I can't see some things. Some things I can. Like, for example, this is how my vision is as well. Like, I can see, I can look at my phone, but I can't read um, a menu at a fast food restaurant, you know? And I've had people come up to me and say, oh, so you know, I see you've got a cane and, you know, but I see you looking at your phone, you know, and you, you know, 
You can't read the menu. Like, what? Well, yeah, just because I'm blind, just because I have a cane, it doesn't mean that, okay, it doesn't mean that just because I, I have my phone close to my face sometimes, if I'm not using voiceover, because, I mean, I do use the screen reader option sometimes, too. Um, it doesn't mean that I, that I can see the, the menu at a fast food restaurant. No, I can't. Um, so, yeah, it's just one of those things. Like, there's different spectrums and, um, not everybody, not everybody sees the same and everyone's different and, um, like I said, I could probably, you know, not probably, like, I could be looking at my phone reading a text message that someone sends me, but I'm not going to be able to see the fast food or the menu at a fast food place. Yeah, so, like, when someone says they're blind, a reaction we usually get is, like, so you can't see anything? It's like, Mm -hmm. no, that's not what I said. Like, that's why we're doing this. There's different spectrums, blind. For, right. for me, I can't see what I could see. I can't see what I need to see. And so I'm blind, visually impaired. I could use that. But uh, there's a lot of blind people who say blind just because it's just easier. But it's it's those assumptions that we have to deal with. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Anything else you want to now that about? I can think of, I think we pretty much got through everything. All right. So with that being said, thank you for joining us on today's episode. Please subscribe and share it with anyone um, you know. Be sure to join our Facebook page at facebook.com slash this is what blind looks like podcast. And follow us on Twitter at BlindLooksLike. You can listen to us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Amazon, and TuneIn. If you have any questions you want to ask us, feel free to tweet us or email us at thisiswhatblindlookslikepod at gmail.com. See you next time and stay tuned for our next episode. Thanks for listening. Bye.